This is LEC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit lakeeriechurch.com. Now here's today's message. We are going to continue this morning our series on dangerous prayer. And I, I'm, I'm thankful some of you have been texting with me and talking to me about what the Lord has been saying to you and how the Lord has been helping you. And I'm so grateful to get that. You know, one of the most, one of the best things you can do to encourage a pastor is to convince him that you're listening. It's kind of like in my last church, I passed out a survey of, of all kinds of questions and I gave that survey out one Sunday and the last question says, can you name a sermon that the pastor has preached in the last six months? There were over 180 surveys and there were a handful of people that tried. One guy wrote on there, he said, I'm not sure, but I'm sure there was one in there about Jesus. <laughs> six months. I, I, I think that it's encouraging. When I, I get, I got a text message this week from one of the members of our church who said, you know, I've been thinking about this idea of dangerous prayers and I've been trying to adjust my faith in that direction. That's an encouragement. So thank you for, uh, for that encouragement in, uh, in that regard. We started out with three questions a few weeks ago. Three questions. How do you feel about the way that you pray? How do you personally feel about the way that you pray? Question two. How do you think God feels about the way you pray? If God were assessing how you pray, how do you think he feels about the way you pray? Number three, what can you do to improve how you pray in the coming year? And so now as we've made this shift toward 2022, how do you intend to pray in a different way that will improve uh, your prayer life? And that's where we're going with this over the next several weeks. So I want you to stand and I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Psalms chapter 139. Now... Over the last couple of weeks, it's, it's been very generically kind of, con, you know, constructed. Go ahead and stand if you would, please. And today, we start a very personal journey with prayer. And so as I've thought about this, I've thought that I want you to read this out loud with me. I want you to read the word of the Lord, and you're standing to read his holy word. And I want you to read it as if it is your own words. Not something written on a page, but you're saying these words to God from Psalms 139. We're going to read the first six verses, and then we'll skip over to the last two verses. Psalms 139, beginning with verse 1. Let's read it out loud, everybody in the room. O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I am far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me 
too great for me to understand. Now, I'm telling you, if that doesn't get a hold of you, you're just not paying attention. How powerful. He knows everything. Now, let's go to verse 23. This is the focus, verse 23. Read it out loud. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Let's read that again, please. Verse 23. Search me and know... Test me. Amen. You may be seated. May God add blessing to the reading of his word. Now we have defined the dangerous prayer as being a prayer of death to ourself. A surrender of all that we have planned. And a sincere, authentic desire for God's will to be done in the matter. What does that mean? It means that the dangerous prayer is one when we give up control. And we say to God, whatever you want is what I want. It's the prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden. Not my will. Thy will be done. We said the first week that it's the prayer of the disciples in Acts chapter 4. That they said, Lord, behold their threats against us. And grant to us boldness. That we can preach your word. I was reading this week in Acts chapter 6. In another place. The Bible said they counted it themselves worthy. They thanked God. Counted themselves worthy. That they had been permitted to suffer. For the name of God. That's a dangerous prayer. Lord let me suffer. For you. You ever prayed that prayer? I've never prayed that prayer. I've never prayed, Lord, let me suffer for you. I've, been, I've said before, I'm willing to suffer. But I can tell you, I've never begged for it. But a dangerous prayer is the prayer that says, God, my will out of the way. My desires set aside. Align me to your purpose. Let your will be accomplished in me. Whatever that happens to be. And then we come to today's prayer. Search me, O God. Now, this is going to be a little intimidating if you think about it. It certainly has been for me for several weeks. This prayer breaks into four. And it's powerful, each and every one of them. And they're all very personal. And as I've been preparing and praying and knowing what I know about our church, I know that this is a prayer that really could resonate if we connect to it right here at Lake Erie. So let's get started. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Now right up front, let's be clear about something. We're not praying that God would come in and discover something about us that he doesn't already know. That's not what this prayer says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Well, remember what he said in verse 1. It'll be on the screen. In Psalms 139, he says, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. 
I'm telling you, that's intimidating. But God already knows everything about you. You're not asking God to come and figure out something that he doesn't already know. He, is already, he already knows you. He already knows everything about you and loves you anyway. So when we pray, Lord, that we want him to know us, there's something more here that we need to understand. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 says, There is no one person who can hide their thoughts from God, for nothing that we do remains a secret, and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before His eyes to whom we must render an account. Our lives are open books before God. He sees it all. Now, we may fool ourselves, we may fool each other, we may put on a facade, we may walk in here and pretend that we don't have secrets, but we all do, but they are not secrets to God. Search me and know my heart. This, in fact, is a prayer that God will enter and show me what He already knows. You ever worked on a job when a supervisor would say, go ahead and take care of this and I'll check in with you later? And then he walks through there and he says, I see that right there, take care of that right there, take care of that. That's what we're talking about. God, look at me, search me and know my heart. Remember that the dangerous prayer is the prayer of surrender and a prayer of death to my own plans. So in essence, we're doing what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, brothers and sisters, this is the essence of the Christian life. You boil it down to a common denominator. This is what the Christian life is. It's not about feeling good. It's not about prosperity. It's not about wealth. It's not about fame. It's about giving up your life and picking up the life that God wants you to have. And for that reason, sometimes we struggle with that. In exchange for the complete and total forgiveness of our sins, we now choose the life that God wanted for us. We choose the life that God has ordained for us. And it requires us to step back at times and say, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and make sure that my heart is where it needs to be. It is laying myself before the Lord and saying, Am I, am I who you want me to be? Is this, is, is this the life that you want for me? Hey, guys and girls back there in the back, listen to me a second. When I was your age, I used to sit in the back of my dad's church and I would pray, God, please, please don't come. Because I got so many plans for my life. I got so many things that I want to do. See, that's the way we live. We think that life is about what we want. We think life is about what we desire, about the things that we want. That's not the Christian life. If that's the life you're living, that's not the life God saved you for. God saved you for the life that says, I want the life that you want me to have. I want to live the way that you want me to live. 
And I'm just saying to you, because I love you, that you're going to struggle with this your whole life. You're never going to get this completely right. You're never going to have it always there. You're always going to be saying, search me. Search my heart. Make sure my heart is right. Make sure that my attitude is right. Make sure I'm living the life that you want me to live. And then it goes on to say, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. The reason I call this a dangerous prayer is because of what it reveals. This revelation came to me a few days ago and I can't seem to lay it down. Because if you pray this prayer and you apply this prayer, what you discover is that what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. What you fear the most, if you can figure out what you are most afraid of. So for me, at the age of 27, what I feared the most is that I would die a premature death and not be able to raise my family. And that fear consumed me. I spent thousands of dollars chasing phantom pains and all kinds of things that I thought were attacking me because I was scared to death that I was going to die as a young man. And you know what the devil did? He made sure that my eyes were on every newspaper article of every person that died in their 20s. Every time I went to the cemetery, I'd see a cemetery marker from some guy that died at 28. And it just fed my fear. And what I came to realize, the Lord, the Lord helped me to see this one night. I was, I was awake in the middle of the night. I was so anxious I couldn't sleep. And I'm reading my Bible and I read the word of the Lord that said, Perfect love cast out all fear. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And I believe God spoke to me that night on that floor. And I felt like the Lord said to me, if you really believed I loved you, you wouldn't be afraid. And that's your problem. You don't think I love you. You don't think I can take care of you. You don't think that I've got you. And I'm telling you today, if you're an anxious person, that was my journey out of that. That was my journey beyond that, was to begin to embrace the fact that I am forever loved by God. That no weapon formed against me that can prosper. That neither life nor death nor principalities can separate me from the love of God. He loves me. He loves me where I am. He loves me as I am. And nothing can change that. And that helped me to walk out from that fear. Because what we fear the most... Reveals where we trust God the least. And don't forget this. The pathway to your greatest potential as a Christian is often straight through the greatest fears of your life. The pathway of your greatest potential. If you want to become who God wants you to be. If you want to live the life that God intends for you to live. If you want to be the man, the woman, the father, the wife, the daughter, the son, whatever it is. If you want to be the person God wants, you have to walk straight through your fear in confidence that God has you. And that God is your keeper and that God knows where you are. For my friends who struggle with anxiety, I would encourage you to read Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus asked a very probing question. Why are you afraid? Why? 
Why are you afraid? He said in Matthew chapter 5, if you worry about it, you won't add one inch to your life. You're not going to feed yourself. You're not going to clothe yourself. Your heavenly Father will do that. Why are you afraid? You see, faith doesn't mean that you're not, you don't ever get afraid. Faith means that you don't let your fear stop you from being who God has called you to be. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart and test me so that I may be able to discover the point and source of my fear. Here's the third part of the prayer. Point out anything in me that offends you. It's like going to your wife and saying, hey, is there anything about me you don't like? She's like, how much time do we have? Do I have a few moments to put a list together? That's when I always go to Shelly. There's, I like everything about you, Shelly. I don't know anything I don't like about you. And she will go, liar. Do we have a relationship with God that we can say, point out to me anything that offends you? So a few weeks ago, I was working through this and I was trying to pray my way to an understanding of how do we position ourselves in a way that God can do that? How do I get to a place where God says, okay, you want to know? You really want to know? How does he do that? Well, I think one of the ways he does that is by his word. You read his word, just like, uh, well, it's something I wrote that you're going to take home with you next Sunday. You read the word of God, and what happens is you say, oh, that's, ooh, I need to get to that. What? That's me. Right there, that's me. The Bible says in Psalms 119, 105, that his word is a lamp that guides my feet and a light for my path. That's why it's important for you to join with us to engage with God's word. How will you know what God wants from you unless you're reading his word? Don't come to church and depend on me to tell you. Read the Word of God. Get the Word of God out. You know what I love about, if you, don't, if you have a, a mobile device and you're comfortable with mobile devices, one of the things I love about that app called UVerse, Uversion or UVerse Bible, UVerse, I think that's what it's called. And you can pick a scripture and hit the, the button and it'll just read it out to you. So I drove to Pennsylvania for a meeting the other day and I listened to most of the book of Proverbs. Just let the word of God be filling that room, filling that space. When I needed to stop, I'd hit the button and stop and I'd pray about what I had just heard. But the engagement with the word. You know, my friend Lamar Vest says all the time, it's not about reading the Bible. He, he doesn't particularly like the one-year Bible reading plan. He said, because you're just reading for the sake of reading and checking the boxes. But he said the key is to engage with God's word. What are you saying to me out of God's word? And are you comfortable enough to say to God, point out to me anything in my life, any attitude, any action, anything that I've done that offends you? And the problem is this. You and I are masters at rationalizing our sin. 
we're masters at it. We can look at somebody else and we can pick out all the flaws in their life and never see the flaws in our own. And Jesus said that. He said, you know, you, you want to deal with, this, with the, the log that's in your eye, but you can see a speck in somebody else's eye. And we rationalize that. I'm not as bad as she is. I'm not as bad as they are. Thank God I'm not that bad. And we rationalize our own sin. And one of the ways that God does that is he, he puts the spotlight on our heart and He brings to our attention the things that we're rationalizing away. I don't have a temper. I don't have a temper. I mean, I know I get mad sometimes, but you make me mad. It's your fault that I get mad. That's rationalization. I don't have a gambling problem. You know, I, I don't, I mean, I, yeah, I lose a lot, but I, but I don't have a gambling problem. I'm not like those guys that are, no, see, it's rationalizing sin. I don't gossip. I mean, I can't help but these people call me with all this information. It's just rationalizing. You ever thought about just hanging up on those people? One lady here in the church a while back said to me, said, what do you, what, what should, I, I said something like that. She said, well, what do you want me to do? I said, the next time you tell that person this, I'd rather not have these conversations with you because I feel like what we're doing is gossiping. They ain't never going to call you again because you're going to call them out for what's going on. And the idea is that we rationalize and we get, we get defensive. If you, if you just take a moment and start thinking about where you're the most defensive, when somebody says, you know, you ever thought about so-and-so and, -so and, well, and you get defensive, well, well, yeah. And you get all bent out of shape about it. Maybe that's an area where God is helping you to see something that needs to be dealt with. Pay attention to how you rationalize sin because I'm just saying this. It's scary how Christian people rationalize sin in their life. And we carry around sin in our heart and we wonder why God isn't blessing us. We wonder why the favor of God isn't on us because we are harboring sin that we will not deal with in our own life. And God keeps helping us and yet we keep rationalizing it. Number four. Lead me, he says, along the path of everlasting life. Here's the critical question. Jerome, come on and get ready to play, if you would, or DJ, whoever's going to play for me today. Here's the critical question. The critical question is, who gets to make the decisions in your life? Who's making the big decisions in your life? Is it you or is it God? Who's deciding in the big moments or in the little moments? Who's influencing that decision? You or God? You see, David seems to have gotten this right in Psalms 23.3 when he said, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's taking me on the road that he wants me to be on. You know, how many times over these past seven months have we, some of you have said this, I've said this, we pray, Lord, if this is not your will, help us to know that. 
Because we want to be led in the paths of righteousness for the Lord's sake. Remember that the prayer, the dangerous prayer is the prayer of complete surrender. The one that's abandoning my own pursuit and allowing God to direct my path. And I know you know I love you. And I wouldn't say this if I didn't love you. But if you're not careful, some of you are not going to make it to heaven. Amen. Because you're trying to live your life the way that you want to live your life. And you're no longer surrendered. There was a time when you were surrendered. I'll go and do whatever you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. But life changes you. You get hardened and you get cynical. I do. I do. And in two weeks, I'm going to tell you what God does about that. But basically, that dangerous prayer is God, break me. Break me. Because I know you want best for me. And if there's something in me that's keeping me from walking in the way that you want me to go, then break me. You know, I know in a seeker-sensitive kind of environment, you would never tell people they're not going to go to heaven. But the truth of the matter is, there are some of us who have sold out to ourselves we are no longer sold out to God he no longer has that prominent seat of first priority we've already made up our mind we're going to live our life the way we live our life and as Shelley says we're just going to practice cheap grace we're just going to hope to God that he will forgive us somewhere down the road. Because I'm going to do this with my friends. I'm going to do this with my boyfriend. I'm going to do it. I'm going to live this way. Because this is what I want. I'm going to go out with my buddies and drink. I'm going to go out and hang out in the bars. I'm going to go out. No, that's, that's what you want. I'm going to cheat on my taxes. I'm going to cut the corner. Because that's what I want. And you're going to miss heaven. You're going to miss heaven. See, there was a man that came to Jesus one time and he said this. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, keep all the commandments. And he said, I've done that since I was a boy. I had a mama like Pastor Isaacs. I didn't break any of the commandments. That's not what he said, but that's what he meant. And Jesus said, well, you like one thing. Take all your possessions and sell them. Take the money you get from it and give it to the poor. And the Bible said that he walked away sorrowful. And as far as we know, he never followed up with that. Now, if you think that story's about money, you're missing the point. That story's not about money. It could have been anything. It was about the that he would not surrender everything to Christ.
Christ. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out to me the things that would offend you. Lead me in the path of everlasting life. If you plan to go to heaven, you have to make a choice. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.